about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The podcast with a two-minute prep time. The <laughs> it, we're off a of bye week. We're back to the Four Horsemen Podcast, joined by your your tired host P Wagon and your his lovely compadre Steve. Uh, we're back for another week. We took a week off last week. Uh, my schedule kind of went a little bit nuts. I forgot we had to do this. To be honest with you, uh, but we're here. BYU week, Shamrock series. Steve, how are you feeling? Good. Good. Not great. Good. Uh, depending on how great I feel or or, or horrible is all going to be dependent on uh, Saturday sometime around 1130, 12 o'clock p.m. So that's how I'm feeling. Yeah, I think we uh, we have a little rust versus rust debate right now. Um, not doing this for a week. We've steadily done this for 80 something episodes um and i just forgot how to announce us in so uh hopefully notre dame doesn't have the same thing going into byu this week uh like we said before it is a shamrock series byu recently released their jerseys it's going to be a color rush game in all black and blue versus a white and gold uh, i think it's going to be a really cool product to see on the field uh and it's being played in las vegas home of the Raiders, who are an incompetent organization. So that's going to be fun to see as well. Uh, any quick notes before we get into our hurry-up offense? How was your bye week? Uh, my bye week was, was surprisingly pleasant. Um, yeah, we, we went to upstate New York, just met up with a couple of friends, and, uh, yeah, just hung out. Um just out in the countryside. It was a nice weekend to get away uh, in, in the midst of all the madness of all the weddings and all the other stuff this year. How about you? Uh, I had another wedding, and when I go to weddings, I wear Esquire clothing, ESQ clothing. Uh, be sure to wear it. If it's good for Marcus Freeman and good for us, it's good for you. It's the most comfortable shirt I've ever worn, ESQ clothing. I do have my seventh and eighth weddings of the year this upcoming weekend i have a wedding on friday and then i have a wedding on sunday so thankfully not saturday night i get i get to sit at home and and just watch football which is great uh but I, one of my outfits will absolutely include my esq clothing shirt so shout out them and the best thing about esq is you don't have to go to the dry cleaner uh this is what we call an organic ad and i'm actually being completely honest with you you can just throw it in the wash let it air dry and you're good to go what's good as new Noted. I've, I've been bringing mine to the dry cleaner so far, but that's because I respect this material so much that I want to keep it mint and crisp. ESQ clothing, tell them the horseman sent you. <laughs> well, buddy, it's time to run the two-minute offense. So let's. Uh, I'm going to pull up the clock here. I'm going to stall a little bit, and I'm going to let you uh, come up with your thoughts. And you are on the clock, good sir, in three, two, one, hike. I don't have too much. I just really don't like a lot of Notre Dame fans uh, expecting everyone to know what's going on in the coaches uh, 
room or the locker room in general. They're acting like these beat reporters. And I guess us in, in some type of weird influencer way uh, know what the coaches are thinking in terms of playing players or not playing players. Uh, just overall, stop it. <laughs> That's my, my end of thing. We don't know who's going to play. Only the coaches are going to make that decision. You aren't coaches. And if you are, tell us because we don't trust anyone's opinion right now. Players will play when they're ready to play. The end. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, and if you are a coach of Notre Dame and you're listening, uh, DM us and and we'll we'll have you on the podcast, right? Uh, so let's. I mean, we're talking to you. Of course, naturally. Um, all right. Well. All right. Uh, how about you talk about something for ten seconds while I stall and think of of a rant? Yeah. So just overall. Um, Follow us, Twitter, at HorsemanPod, Instagram. We are holding the Instagram hostage until we get enough followers to precipitate putting out content. Uh, if you don't like me making jokes about Brian Kelly too bad, I have 10 years of trauma that I have to get through, and I have another year of doing it. So uh, I'm still going to make those jokes. And the white sweatshirt's still on sale. Perfect. Uh, and hike. All right. You know what's really pissing me off? And this is actually non-football related. We did not get what would be considered a, uh, and pardon the French here, uh, the terminology is called an Indian summer, which is unseasonably warm and dry weather in uh, in the fall, right? So like, you know, the last couple of weeks of September, first couple of weeks of October, I'm used to having an 80 degree day poke through with the sun so I can golf and it's not coming around and that pisses me off. Well, Steve, I have uh, some good news for you. Thursday and Friday, it's going to be 71 and 74. Well, I will be at a wedding and not golfing. You're really moving the goalposts there. <laughs> Listen, I just want to golf. All right. That's all. That's what this it's, is all coming October. back to. October. It's October 4th. You can't be golfing this late in the year. Yeah, I usually shut it down at like October 15th, April 15th to October 15th. That is until I moved to South Carolina. I have not golfed in over a year. Well, that sucks. Yeah. By my All right. on the court. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Well, if you want to learn more about our personal lives, follow us on Twitter. You got to find it. It's a little scavenger hunt for you and the listeners. Uh, and also, uh, if you have any friends who only use iHeartRadio, shout out Abby. Uh, we are working on getting us on iHeartRadio, and that will complete our uh, all the different platforms. I figured out how to do it today. So look out, iHeartRadio. Horsemen are coming to you. It's over for you, bitches. <laughs> so, before the bye week and our lovely time spent wearing ESQ clothing, uh, Notre Dame played a football game against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Overall, uh, it went pretty well. Aldrich Estime had 134 yards rushing on 17 carries, averaging 7.9 yards a carry, two rushing touchdowns. Drew Pine, 24 for 34, 289 yards and three passing touchdowns. Mayer, seven catches for 88 yards. And the entire Notre Dame team had 287 rushing yards on 51 attempts with one sack and two QB hurries. Uh, so estimate Tyree Dids did pretty well out there. Uh, Pine did really well out there, and Notre Dame got a pretty convincing win. Uh, so, Steve, since you watched the game uh, in, in person or live and I had to watch it on replay, what were your thoughts on it? 
offensive line it all started there and that was the ultimate difference maker man um you know we started out a little bit slow uh and i think that's that's you know that's a persistent trend at this point four games in um is is slow starts but with that being said you know we we turned it around pretty quick i mean that second quarter you know we we went off and um, you know, it, it all starts in the trenches and that's what was the bugaboo last year. And that's, you know, very clearly what the bugaboo is this year. Um, you know, the, the offensive line, not living up to expectation in the first two games is why Buckner, you know, the play calling wasn't able to be what it should have been. And then that put Buckner in a bad position. And then Buckner, you know, has to run for his life with like a chicken with his head cut off. He ended up, ha- you know, getting injured, and then you know Pine has to come and do mop up work. We we all know how it ended. We were all there, uh, and against Cal, we underperformed. You know, a twenty four seventeen win against Cal is just very, ugh. You know, that's that's two thousand and you know four, two thousand seven Notre Dame shit. You know, we're past that. That that should have been you know a forty one to ten game. But hey, you know what? It, it was a win in the books, and so so was the UNC game. Uh, UNC scored some touchdowns in garbage time. I don't really look too much into it. This defense was very good all day. Drake may, you know, give him credit as a true freshman. Like he's going to be something special. Like that kid has the juice, but, uh, but this Irish secondary coverage, they had a lot of, uh, pass breakups and, you know, the defensive line was able to get to him. So we, we really showed out on defense despite giving up 30 plus points. I, it, it was honestly a much better performance than what it looked like. But yeah, I mean, that offensive line just pushing things and giving Pine that confidence and time for him to find his guys and get into a rhythm with Mayer and move the ball. And then just as they start to get on their heels, that's when you hit them with the run game. And, and you know, you're pulling off six, seven, eight yard runs. And like, that's just symmetry. That's everything happening all at one time that they need to. It's all working. It's all execution. So it was a huge step in the right direction that really made me feel like, if they played like that every game here on out, I'm not saying we're going to win, but we are absolutely going to compete in every single game going forward if we can play like that. And I, that's what makes me hopeful that nine and three, ten and two is is absolutely still on the table. So I was very impressed with everything, all things considered. Yeah, uh, you made one point about Drake May that I wanted to go back to, and I I think I'm I don't know who I sent this to. It was either you, you guys, or it was to my grandpa. Uh, Drake May is either going to take off like a rocket next year and become a Heisman contender, or he's hit his ceiling already. There's no in-between for him. And it's it's interesting. And it seems like UNC, and I don't mean to make this a UNC podcast, but like UNC always gets these quarterbacks that are they look like world beaters, and then one of them reveals he's never ate a steak before. Or another one, like they, they don't have, they don't have the finishing power that other teams do. And I, I know I'm now speaking about your current backup quarterback for your Steelers, but it, it's just weird that they're right there, right on the precipice of being something, and then something just doesn't go their way. Am I crazy for saying that? Because Drake May could be good. Or he could just be average. If his ceiling's already hit, he's going to be average. Well, I, I think he's a long way off from his ceiling. Um, thankfully, we don't even play UNC next year. I don't know what the 24 schedule looks like, but I honestly would not be surprised to see UNC 
win the ACC title within the next three years because uh, they they are absolutely a program on the their ascendancy. Um, you know, this is Mac Brown's second stint with them. He was with them before he left for Texas. So um, great coach. They've been recruiting well. They've been getting five stars down there. You know, uh, they're in the South. They have a regional advantage. And uh, it's a big-name program, you know? So, uh, obviously, nor- for, for basketball normally. But I, I really think that they are building a, a football program. So, um, you know, I, I am actually developing quite a bit of respect for that UNC program now. Um, there's a lot of other programs that I will make fun of relentlessly. Uh, but UNC, I, I got to give them some props. Uh, I'm an NC State supporter, so I will not. We don't have UNC on the schedule for a hot minute, so... I'm already. Uh, we don't have them again until 2026 at UNC, October 3rd. Uh, so about four four years away from having to play them again. Uh, so we avoid avoid Drake May's uh, comeuppance, if you will, uh, until we play them in the national title game. Uh, overall, you I watched the game on a tape delay, which was more enjoyable because I could fast forward through the commercials. Uh, I thought the o- offense dominated a bad defense and that's what was abundantly clear uh estimate had that one fumble on the goal line and could have been avoided it was his first fumble he's ever lost which is not surprising granted you've seen the size of that man uh we did miss the field goal uh, i'll talk about that right now with blake Ruby. uh he hooked it he wanted to turn and it didn't turn uh hey listen but- i don't hit every fairway yeah <laughs> and we're, we would be remiss to not say that we called it again. Uh, Riley Mills, we talked about him the week before. We said, when's he going to be something? It's Jalen man. And it, it, it was just a great defensive performance. Uh, they did enough to win. They gave up that fourth and 21, 64-yard touchdown. Uh, they gave up an 80-yard touchdown. But, like, those are just garbage plays at that time. J.D. Bertrand got ejected from targeting. So overall, our defense, that was the worst. Our that, that was like he could not have he he did not have his crown down. He was looking yeah. into the guy's eyes as he hit him and his face mask hit the other guy directly like in the Adam's apple or maybe even lower, basically in like the very high chest area. So like that was an insane, insane and totally overblown targeting call and the appeal the fact that he lost that appeal when byu's guy won his appeal right. i'm just gonna say ncaa rigged no so i'm gonna bring rugby into this and uh drink at home if you're playing the will p wagon talk about uh rugby on this podcast when you get a card in rugby either a yellow card or a red card red card you're sent off for the game yellow card uh it's a it's a bin bin penalty so it's like a uh, a major in hockey uh the following week, there's a dis- disciplinary panel that reviews what the card is and decides on further action. So if you have a player who gets into fights often, they'll take his history on the field and use that against him in citing for additional penalties. So if a punch is thrown in a fight, which happens pretty often, and it's the player's first offense, They'll say, all right, this is the first offense. He'll get suspended for a week, maybe. But if it's the third or fourth time that it's happened and he's gotten a card for this type of stuff before, they'll make those harsher penalties there. So what I can rationalize just off the basis of rugby uh, is that J.D. Bertrand appealed, but because he had the one the week prior, they were more harsh on him than a first-time offender. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to say he has a quote-unquote history, like I'm a Bruins fan, and as, as many know, um, and for the new listeners, they don't, but I'm a Bruins fan. Uh, and Brad Marchand has that that shit-eating grin, you know, and, and he, uh, you know, he gets a lot more uh, calls against him than than what I think he should. But that's because he has a history of some some iffy hits. So I get it. It's just I really think that that was that was honestly all th- in the moment a fairly clean hit. No, I would agree. I don't think it was a bad hit at all. Uh, the other thing I would be remiss to say, John Sott. Uh, put a uh, nuke on the, his foot and sent the ball into orbit. He might send a ball outside of the stadium this week. He he's just so good. There was a he's stat. incredible. He, he's 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 an NFL punter. Like let's call a spade a spade. There he he's going to be in the NFL. I will buy his jersey, uh, bar none. And whatever team pits up John Sott, you have a fan for life. Uh, so here's a little stat for all of you. Let me pull it up. I'm not really a numbers guy, but these numbers mean something. This is the advanced stats leaderboard for punters. The punter EPA, which is expected points added. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct. John Sod has a 0.32 EPA. He has 22 punts. He's netting 44.4 yards. He's the rerun is a return edited real unbiased net. So he's netting 42.1. Uh, all these other guys on here, they're, they're seeing coverage of 2.3, 1.2. 2.3 is one of the highest. There's a 4.9 for Iowa, but that Iowa punter is also unreal. His EPA is only 0.28. John side with a 0.32 EPA is the fourth highest in the country. The top three are Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State. And then you have Michigan, Iowa, North Carolina, Houston, Auburn, and Rutgers. Uh, it's just incredible what he's doing as a punter right now. You are correct. I mean, 100% correct. And what I want to do is conceptualize this. And and for some of the newer listeners or for some people who, I mean, it's been a full year and we haven't really brought up EPA because uh, Dylan has not been on. He, he understands advanced analytics a, a bit more than both of us, but I still have uh, – a decent dog in the fight, I I, would, I suppose. Um, so EPA expected points added. It's a basically a, it's a metric that will add context to stats. So just to give you an example, uh, a two yard run on first down and ten, and a two yard run on fourth down and inches are not the same. Obviously, if you get two yards on fourth and inches to extend a drive and potentially win a game, that's monumental. Whereas first and ten, if you get two yards, that sucks. So what it does is contextualizes that and then actually adds up to an expected points added of your performance. How many points did you add on your uh, on your day? And then they actually will calculate that out as a total EPA, and then they'll calculate it out as uh, EPA per play. So at 0. 0.3, what was it, 0. 0.32 EPA yep. per play. So that means if John Sott has three punts in a game, he has now added one expected point to Notre Dame's score. And what that means, if you just translating like numbers and, and actually what does that actually translate to in real life? That means he is so good at pinning the other team back and winning the field position battle 
that it is giving the Notre Dame defense the opportunity to make stops deep in the other team's territory. Therefore, the offense is going to get the ball closer to midfield, shorter drives, more points. Like it's an actual measurable metric saying your punter is so good. He's adding points to your team, a, a, a completely defensive position that you are giving the ball away adds points. That's how good John saw is. So we love him. We absolutely love him. And early on, if he's, if he keeps up at this pace, he may in his one single season at, at Notre Dame end up being the greatest punter in Notre Dame history. And that's not hyperbole. I, I would agree. And I, Early on in the season, again, we were right. Uh, we we talked about all the punters Notre Dame's had, uh, and they've had really good ones. And the fact that you can put uh, Sod up there with some of the other punters, it, it's just it's wild. I'm thinking back just my time. You have you have DJ Fitzpatrick. Uh, he averaged 40 yards a punt. He also kicked some field goals for us. Hunter Smith, Hunter the punter. Uh, ben Turk, remember him? He he punted up 200 times, only averaged 39.5 yards a punt. You had Joey Highbald. Uh, he was literally five foot tall, uh, and he has 100% pass completion percentage for Notre Dame. Uh, and then Tyler Newsom. And then you you get to more recent recent guys. You have Jay Bramblin. You know my my best friend and the guy who jilted me to go down to LSU. Uh, <laughs> you have Bryce McPherson coming up, but John Sott is that dude right now. Like, just overall, when you think about just special teams lore, and I can talk about this forever, he's literally one of the best punters I've seen at Notre Dame. And whenever they punt, uh, the funny thing is that people think about me when you see John Sott on the field because I've been talking about him so much, but at the same time, you're seeing a really good fucking punter. Yeah. That's where Mr. Mrs. Sott, but overall he's just incredible. That's fine. And in terms of Notre Dame with advanced analytics, they are ranked number two in the country in regards to the average starting field position for their defense. That's how deep he's pinning teams. The, the average team, the average drive for the opposing offense is starting at the 24.3 yard line second in the country. So we are a pro special teams pod and and we have to hype them up because those guys deserve love. Sot, we love you because you're just doing magical stuff. When he's deep in his own territory, he's launching nukes. And when he's at midfield, he's dropping dimes. So uh, all the love to John Sot. And sir, I, I have one more, wagon. One do more you? Thing. Yeah, I was gonna say any any closing thoughts before we move on to the mailbag. I uh, know I have a thought on John Sott. Last thought there. Uh, he's only been here for a year, and obviously these stats will skew uh, because other punters have been, you know, three, three, four year punters. He's number one in kick, punting average. He's averaging over a yard more than Craig Hendrick did. Craig Hendrick had a very long NFL career. He's averaging 1.6 more yards than Tyler Newsom. Uh, he's averaging four full yards more than Jay Bramblett. And I thought Jay Bramblett was a, a world beater. Uh, so John Saab very, very well may go down as the best all time. 
<laughs> well, hopefully. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Saad, if you're listening and if you can pass this on to John, we will be his uh, agents for him because we'll just keep hyping him up like this. And uh, it, we won't even take 10%. We'll take 1% of his NFL salary. John sought um, for kicker Heisman, punter yeah, Heisman, the, special the, teams Heisman. The Ray Guy Award. I mean, he's absolutely in that conversation, 100%. Has to be. All right, well, All on right. to the mailbag. Yes, mailbag. Let me pull it up. All right, mailbag here. We got some questions. First one, uh, I'm actually going to take this from our guy Saturday game day. Uh, if you could bring back one former player to be on this year's team, who would you choose? I said Golden Tate, Michael Floyd, Tim Brown, Rocket Ismael. Other people are saying Brady Quinn or Rick Meyer. Uh, what would you say? That's an interesting one. Um, I a lot of people were pointing out the quarterbacks, and and yeah, I mean, if I have to choose between Brady Quinn or Drew Pine, it's a it's a pretty obvious choice that we're going with Brady Quinn. Um, but you know what? I I think I'm going with Will Fuller. Yeah, that's a good one too. Because he was just so fast and so good and always found a way to get open, especially downfield. And, and he he was just truly something special. And and if you can just imagine Will Fuller on one side of the field with Michael Mayer and, uh, and, and you know, just the entire offense that we have, like, that would be lethal. Um, and, I mean, if I could choose a group as a whole, it would be the 2017 offensive line group. That That's when they won the Lot Trophy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would I would choose them if I were choosing a group. But if it's if we're going with the individual, it's going to be Will Fuller, in my opinion. People are saying Joe, Joe Montana, Jimmy Clausen. Will Fuller is definitely a good one. Zibby. But we don't need we don't need any more on the defense right now. Uh, going from there. Uh, Abby, our friend Abigail, says, if I don't see blank during the game this week coming off a bye, I will start to question what our coaching staff's schematic slash ideology is. So essentially, what's your hot button that you want to see improve with the bye? Hmm. Run run blocking, make it even better, pass blocking, having Drew Pine not suck on short throws, <laughs> like maybe getting Steve Angeli some game time. BYU stinks. I want to see, I really want to see a game plan where they almost do what Utah State did and widen out the splits. Uh, So watching the Utah State game, uh, they run a very wide, wide receiver split. Uh, It allowed for the corners to bail a little bit further out, giving essentially linebackers fits to figure out where they're going with it. Uh, if, if it's an RPO or if it's a uh, a zone read. So why not run Chris Tyree, Logan Dids, Braden Lindsay, Michael Mayer? I don't care. Run some jet sweeps with those wide splits. You're going to have a, a, a huge alley to get through. Or just run, run a butt sweep. So run jet sweep with one of those or just run a butt sweep with Tyree, Dids, or Estime. And just profit. Just use the field. So yeah, that's a good game plan. 
That's what I was going to say is, um, I mean, uh, the very obvious is going to be better offensive line play, but they've certainly been improving. Now they're going to have a tougher test this week against BYU than they did against UNC. But, you know, that that's the the very obvious one. But uh, the the two things that I think I want to see most, honestly, one would be finding unique ways other than a straight run between the tackles to get your running backs the ball. So, again, whether that's a tough sweep, whether that's a triple option, that would be exciting out of the shotgun, like a, a zone read triple option. Um, you know, Jeeps, uh, you know, use Braden Lindsay or, or just like the screen passes or just utilizing them out of the backfield in the passing game. Um, our running backs, if, if you get into the EPA statistics, uh, when they catch the ball are lethal. They're incredible because if you get them in space, they're all unbelievable. You have a human wrecking ball in Audric Estime. You have, uh, you have obviously Chris Tyree, who's like the rocket 2.0. If when he's in space, when he can, when he can finally gallop, you know, let, let that horse gallop and he's gone. And it's just like they're a complete team if they can just get the ball in space. The the issue is they haven't had the opportunity. Uh, and the other thing that I think they I really want to see in terms of the, like a coaching staff and something that's very tangible that the staff can do is get this team disciplined. If I have to see one more false start penalty and get and see first and fifteen, I'm going to throw my phone through my my TV screen. I can't do it anymore. No more stupid penalties. I agree. Uh, going from there. Who can you see coming back next year that has eligibility? And where do numbers sit now as far as the 85? Jeez, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have the... the... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Drew Pine's coming back. Estimate's coming back. I can tell you those are coming back because they're sophomores or redshirt juniors. Yeah. Um, no, I, I definitely should have prepared for, them, for that question. I don't have the depth chart uh, in front of me, so I apologize. Uh, you know, there, there's, I don't know, um, a couple of linebackers that I could see, uh, could either transfer or go to the NFL draft or they could stick around, um, you know, with, with some eligibility, um, you know, Clarence Lewis is now being replaced on the outside by Ramon Henderson. You know, Lewis is a junior Henderson's a true freshman. Uh, so that's, that's notable. Um, you know, that, that could uh, equate in, in a transfer or he could stay and just add a ton of depth to the secondary. So, uh, I, I, I just, you know, I'm not seeing it right now. That's, that's probably more of an off season question, to be honest. I agree. Uh, I dropped my depth chart. Let's start there for sure. Tommy can figure out how to use Tobias. I think. So th- this is my problem, and there's a ton of questions like this, and I just want to get it out there. We like Tobias Merriweather. He is an athlete. The coaches know why they're not playing them. I am tired of logging onto this account and just seeing every single tweet be about playing a player free Tobias. Blah, 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 blah. Hmm. He'll play when he's ready to play. If he's not ready to play, the coaches are probably working with him to figure out how he can play. Freeman's been nothing but complimentary to him. It's not like they're sitting him on the bench for the hell of it. So it, it's just that it's like Stockholm syndrome from the previous administration. They they think like these coaches are out to get these players and it, they're just not like let the coaches coach. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that's, so I, I think in this case, the, the best way to get Toby Merriweather on the field uh, for starters, one, you're correct. If, if he's not out there, there's, there's a reason. Um, and it's, it's probably something that the, you know, the guys that have been playing football for anywhere from, from 20 to 45 years, uh, that, that spend anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week with the kid, uh, they, they might know a little bit more about his readiness to, to start contributing in game than, uh, a Twitter account with 4,600 followers. Um, so there's that, but in my opinion, if you are going to get him on the field and, and I, I would be in favor of it. The yeah, argument, I'm, I'm not against it, but yeah, yeah, we, we both are. We, we both absolutely are. Uh, I, I, tangibly again like an an actual solution you know you highlight a problem and we can all just bitch about the problem but you have to come up with a solution and i think the solution is if this is a kid who doesn't know the playbook who doesn't know the routes who doesn't know positioning if he doesn't know that stuff one he needs a senior leader to step up and help him or or in this case a junior leader like michael mayer has to be you know helping this guy out he has to help him with running his routes and understanding where he should be positioned and you 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 can't play him in a hurry up offense uh, system because you have to have him come back to the huddle every time and just say, Toby, you're doing a 10 yard out, Toby, you're, you're hitting a slant, Toby, it's a 10 yard comeback. Like you just tell him the fucking route. Don't just say, you know, 88 superpowers, you know, whatever the fuck call, right. You know, you have to actually, you know, call out the play. Everyone knows it. And then just grab Toby by the face mask and say, listen, Merriweather, this is your route. Go do it. And he's incredibly talented. Maybe he he gets open and makes a play, but if he's not going to be there mentally, if he's not ready for it, that's there's a reason a lot of freshmen don't play. You know, freshmen that true freshmen that play college football their first year on campus are built fucking different. And I'm talking about like they are basically ready for the NFL by the end of their freshman year. Yeah. And I I think Toby you know Toby's going to be great. I think he has a great career ahead of him. I don't think he's going to be NFL ready by next year. He's not that guy yet. He'll get there. They, he just needs to develop. So just trust in the coaching staff. Agreed. Uh, going from there, this one made me laugh. Drew Brennan. Lots of ND grads out there who are high-level ADs. When Swarbrick hands it up, do you go after one of them? And if so, who? Or do you go outside the box? I said Mike and Mike. Bring the goals in. Let them AD together. <laughs> that would be electric. How, how we, you've heard us talk. You've seen us tweet. How are we supposed to know who the athletic directors are in the country right now? Well, I was actually under the impression that Jack was pulling a Walt Disney and or is it Ted Williams? Whichever the guy that cut his head off and froze it for science so he could come back in the future. I think uh, that's what Jack is going to do. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like uh, maybe there's good athletic director. I, I don't know. I barely know who our running bats are. Sometimes I get confused. Uh, I'm going to so, be honest with you. I don't even know what an athletic director does. Uh, they oversee. Well, I'm not going to get don't into care. It. Don't explain. Nope. I don't want to learn. I don't want to. I had this. They, they go on Netflix documentaries to talk about their star linebacker, Jane Catfish. Uh, okay. Fair enough. A <laughs> couple, couple more here, then we'll talk about the game of the week. Uh, Regisan, don't have a question about the game, so I'll ask this. Were you guys surprised about Wisconsin firing their head coach, and who do you think gets fired next? No. Uh, you, you need to win games to stay employed. Like That's, that's as simple as that. 
Who do I think gets fired next? That's it's that's gonna be Jim little... Leonard. That gets fired. No, I, I oh, is the question fired next or hired at fired. Wisconsin? Fired. Okay, well, I think I well, Jim Leonard's taken over at Wisconsin. I think he's he's a good pickup. Who's who? Basically, who's the next coach on the hot seat? Um, I'll delay to you. I'm gonna think for a second. Hmm. That's a good question. So, I don't know. The easiest way to say it is probably South Florida. You, you have to look at the teams at the bottom of the barrel. And unfortunately, those coaches aren't very well known. Uh, so, it's David Shaw, Stanford, Jeff mm. Scott, South Florida, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern. Uh, the, I would say those are all probably in the hot seat right now. Jeff Scott being number one. Uh, unfortunately, because of Oklahoma's fandom, Brett Venables could be on the hot seat after year one. Uh, <laughs> Brian Harson's the name, but he's not going to get fired. He seems like he's untouchable for whatever reason. Uh, I could see Scott Satterfield from Louisville, maybe. And then the only other coach, uh, unfortunately, right now is going to be our boy Willie Taggart at Florida Atlantic. Uh, he could definitely get fired. And if if Jeff Halfley doesn't turn around in Boston College, he he might also uh, he might also get the boot. So I, I named a lot of names there, uh, but really I'm seeing Jeff Scott, David Shaw, Pat Fitzgerald, one, two, three. I don't think Navy will fire their coach, but Brian Harson should be the next one out. No, what he, what happened down there? Yeah, uh, that cat over at uh, at Michigan State too. Uh, I I think personally he should Tucker? get a little bit more leeway. Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker. Um, he should definitely get a little leeway. You know, he's two and three right now with that Michigan State team. They're they're probably gonna get the doors blown off them at home this week against Ohio State. But um I think they should give him a little bit more of a leash, but you just never know, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely something. Uh from there. Why isn't Tobias Merriweather playing yet? We answer that. Uh have you ever been to Vegas? I've never been to Vegas. I almost moved to Vegas after I graduated college, but the economy was still bad at that time, and there was no jobs available. Yeah, I've never been to Vegas. I've been to Atlanta City. Uh, I don't think I would ever go to Vegas. Uh, so if you're asking us for places to go in Vegas, uh, they have that really cool swim-up sports bar. Uh, I heard there's a lot of nice casinos out there. Yeah. Have you heard that too? I, I There's been a few, I guess. So. Uh, mm. And I guess drinks are like fifty dollars a pop, so that's something. Uh, All right, can we address the can we address the the real elephant in the room? Can I say something that's going to be pro Italian? Can, can I do I have that leeway here? You you have the permission. Okay, the mob when the mob ran Vegas, it was four thousand times better. We need to bring back the mob. <laughs> the, the occasional killing, they were very targeted killings. All right, they okay. Come on. Oh, I'm going to have to cut this. <laughs> Dylan, don't listen to the last minute of that conversation there. Uh, yeah, Vegas is Vegas. Uh, last question that just came in. Where do you want the Shamrock Series to go after this? Uh, huh. I'm trying to think of a region that we I want to start recruiting in. I'm trying to think of a place that would be fun. Um, honestly, Miami would be really cool. 
Yeah, Tampa but- would Tampa would be really cool. Like, I want to get into Florida. You know, I I want to get that speed. You know, you, you have uh, to. What's his come. name? Um, who who's the five star defensive? Keon Keeley is out of Tampa. You know, IMG Academy. There's so much talent that comes out of there. I would love to get into to you know Raymond James Stadium. That would be a fun matchup. I disagree. Uh, right. I want to see the Shamrock series go away. Oh no, yeah. you're crazy. Yes. I, I, it's, it's the ultimate recruiting tool. I personally yeah, love it. You, you lose a home game. What? You lose a home game. Yeah. But I, what would you rather have one more home game or yes. two more five-star recruits? Do you think five-star recruits aren't going to travel to South Bend to see them play? Stop using logic. I didn't oh. consent to that. Right. So my, my whole thing, it's 10 years old. Like they've won ten games. They've been in Boston. They've been in New York. They've been in the Alamo Dome. They're going to Vegas. They, uh, th- those are the ones I can remember off the top. Ireland. Of they no Ireland. Was that Shamrock or was that just the Dublin? It was. So, I think it's run its course, and I think once Under Armour dips from, uh. I think once Under Armour dips, then it might be over. But that's uh, that's currently what my thoughts are right now. I'm in favor of keeping it, just for the record. <clears throat> oh, Chicago, D.C., San Antonio, New York City, Dallas. Uh, they played in Syracuse. They played in New Jersey. They played in Yankee Stadium. We were at that game. Uh, People forget. That's when they wore the, uh, the Yankee kitted up. Uh, Jersey. They were in Boston. Uh, maybe come back to Boston, play in. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, come back to Boston right after I fucking want to leave here. Maybe come come to Boston, play in Foxborough. I don't know. Uh, Tommy, yeah. if you're if you're here for that, I'll take you out to Patriots place after. Uh, those are all the questions that we have for this week. Uh, get rid of the Shamrock series is what I'm going to end on. Uh, but now we have BYU coming off a of bye week. They almost lost to Utah State. They're four and one. They're in the top twenty. Uh, overall, the bye week was good to us. Cal got blown out by Washington State, which wasn't great for us. Uh, Stanford got routed by Oregon. Navy lost to Air Force. Ohio State won. North Carolina blew out Virginia Tech. Uh, USC almost lost to Arizona State. Syracuse is the scariest team in the nation at five and zero. UNLV won. Clemson beat North Carolina State. Uh, so those are that's the recap of the bye week. But BYU in Vegas, Cosmo the Cougar versus the Notre Dame Leprechaun. If I had to ask you, Stephen, mm-hmm. how many students are at uh, BYU? How many would you say? Thirty-seven thousand. Thirty-four thousand seven hundred thirty-seven. Good guess. I'm fucking good, dude. That, that was a good guess. Uh, <laughs> there are two in sets against Notre Dame. Provo, Utah, uh, the coach, Kalani Satake, 52-30 and 30 as a coach, seventh year. Uh, notable alumni, this is everyone's favorite week uh, at part of our show. We've had John Heater. He was a star in Napoleon Dynamite. We had Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight. Uh, Harvey Fleischer, the guy who invented the hearing aid. Daniel Reynolds, Imagine Dragons. Sean Bradley from Space Jam, Brian Billick, Mike Leach, 
Andy Reid, Steve Sarkeesian, and Kyle Woodenham. All That's right. a lot of football guys all in one place. All, all in one place. And uh, not to and, mention uh, Zach Wilson, who will fuck your mom. <laughs> not not yours, I'm saying his friend's mom. Zach Wilson. <laughs> and the guy who founded 1-800-CONTACTS, Jonathan C. Kuhn. Uh, so that was the uh, the famous alumni who went to BYU, and no, certainly no one else. Uh, th- those are the alumni there. This is their final season as an independent. They'll play Baylor, Oregon, ND, Arkansas, Liberty, and East Carolina. Uh, they have Jaron Hall at quarterback. I'm not sure if you watched him play. He's third nationally in passing yards, 1,438. 70.2% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns. He's 28th in passer rating, 21st in passing yards per game, and 40th in yards per attempt. Overall, How many interceptions do you have? That is a good question that I did not look up. Jaron Hall, INT. He, I know he has at least one. That's great news. So he is prone to throwing interceptions. Um, <laughs> let me pull this up as we're going here. So they have a good offense. They don't have a great offense. They're 35th in the S&P plus, 51st in scoring, 49th in total offense, 22nd in yards per play, uh, and 78th in rushing. Uh, they got their lunch stolen from them by Utah State. Utah State should have won that game. Uh, quite literally, Jaron Hall this year has one interception. Uh, and he's 120 for 171, 12 touchdowns. One t- one interception through five games, right? Correct, and that was against USF. Some may call it a trend. <laughs> but, like, his numbers aren't all that impressive. 261 twice against USF and Baylor, 305 and 337 against Oregon and Wyoming in a loss to Oregon, so he had to throw. Uh, and then against Utah State, which I'm going to keep going back to, Utah State, the best 1-4 team in the country, uh, 17 for 27, 274. He averaged 10 yards a pass, three touchdowns, but he was sacked twice, and he didn't look comfortable in the pocket. Mm. So that, that's where we have to expose them, and it's it's also got to be, you know, we, we cannot give up a big rush. So just to give some insight here, our rushing defense – in terms of a success rate, is running at a 52.4% success rate. So basically, 48% of the time, the other team is going to have success. Um, that's good to be ranked 127th in the country. That's not good. Our, our rushing defense has been gashed uh, a little bit too often for my liking. Uh, but the positive here is that this, the offensive success rate for BYU, uh, they only successfully run the ball 38.1% of the time. They are ranked 100th in the country. Uh, however, the flip side of that, they are ranked 24th in the country at 48.4% success rate for passing, but Notre Dame's strength is their pass defense in that they only allow a, uh, a their defensive success rate is 33.1%, number 16 in the country in terms of pass defense. So, it, it really is a, a situation where it the, their strength on offense actually kind of goes right into our strength on defense. So it's going to be very unique to see how this plays out, what's gonna, the play calling going to be, and is Notre Dame going to stay true 
uh, you know, to those numbers? And are they going to be able to lock down the passing game and, and get after a kid that's, you know, throwing the ball over the yard so far? Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And the, the other thing, if you look at the the flip side of the house, uh, really, the they do everything okay or maybe good, but they don't do anything great. Uh, Jaron Hall can definitely pass. But other than that, like, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He just kind of, he's out there. He throws the ball and he, he he's a, a talented quarterback who unfortunately doesn't have a talented cast of characters around him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's, that's ultimately going to be the difference. Um, you know, ND, you know, they, they certainly have to move the ball on offense. They're going to have to score probably 35 points to win this game. Um, are, are you confident that Notre Dame is going to be able to stop Jaron Hall like they did Drake May or at least slow him down enough yes. to give the offense time to to get the ball downfield and even yeah. just you know have some scoring drives, have some longer extended drives that's going to in turn give the defense some more rest and let them stay stay fit. Like that's like that's the well, recipe. Here here here's what it is. The BYU is 41st in total defense, allowing 338 yards per game. They're ranked 91st in rushing defense, allowing 162 yards a game. Watching Utah State play Again, Utah State's won one game this year. You would mm-hmm. think they were the Denver Broncos when Terrell Davis was running the ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was at a point where you're like, is BYU overlooking this game? Like, maybe, but they're not going to get it off the field on third down. They're 58th in the country at that. They're 115th in the nation total first downs. If we can just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, maybe get a field goal after a long drive, but hopefully a touchdown. And then our defense is just going to go out there. Foskey's going to eat like Chris, Chris Smith from Harvard. He he's going to eat like the entire defensive line should eat this week. I agree. Sorry. I was on mute there. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Chris Smith. I presumably he's back from injury, which is a, a good thing. I know it was only kind of like a strained peck or something like that. Right. That's correct. So he, he should be in, but you know, you have, I only go with Chris Smith because I think he's going to make their nose tackle or their center's day a living hell. Uh, they've committed 41 penalties as well. If you have Chris Smith, that the monster of a human, smacking you in the mouth every play, there, there's going to be a ton of penalties come that way. Uh, yeah, so that, that's something there. And between Chris Smith, I mean, he's the big, you know, he's the hoss uh, pl- plugging up those holes. But you know, Howard Cross, um, the third, and, and Jacob Lacey, they've really come into their own. As we've we've mentioned their names time and time again on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. So um, the defensive line is finally starting to get into it. I really think they're going to start to turn the tide on on kind of their rush defense, which is going to be great. Um, but really, it's just a matter of can they can they make this running back, uh, Jaron, uh, running back, this quarterback, Jaron Hall, can they make him uncomfortable and get these you know these receivers off timing? Can they disrupt the timing? Can they get their hands up and tip some balls and potentially you know have an interception uh, come out of it? You know, again, Notre Dame really has not had a lot of turnovers on defense. Uh, they could have had a lot more turnovers uh, against Cal, but every time they had like a, a pick six or a fumble six, it kept getting called back. So, um, you know, the, 
the defense is is really ready to feast this week. Uh, hopefully, I'm I'm you know praying to God, but like I I think this is kind of their ultimate test. Uh, you know this this BYU team is going to play right into the Notre Dame strengths, so it's it's all going to be a matter of execution. But I think you're you're just going back to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you are exactly correct. You know, it's you have to control the line of scrimmage. You have to push them backwards. You have to run this ball effectively. Get this team to just flood the box, and then now you can get Drew Pine to get the ball downfield and get it into the hands of receivers, hopefully with a little bit of space. And you know, if you can just eat up those drives and give your your defensive line time to breathe and rest and catch their wind, they are going to be able to get after this QB all day long. It's it's not like it's a difficult recipe to understand or figure out. It's just a matter of can you get your guys to do it? Yeah, I, I would agree. And BYU is second in the country in turnovers lost. Uh, so it won't be easy uh, to do that. Notre Dame doesn't have an interception this year. We're one of four teams that don't have an interception. Uh, but I think Al Golden is going to have his defense rested up and, and really dialing up some stuff that's going to make uh, BYU's offense uh, day a living hell. True. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the rest, I think, in this case, is definitely going to help Notre Dame. They had a couple of guys banged up. You know, it, it's it's really going to help going to a neutral site game with all the travel that they have to do. Uh, it's a quasi away game, quasi home game. You know, it, I, I think the rest in this case is going to be beneficial. Uh, let the offensive line just get another week to really w- be able to learn how to work in lockstep with one another. And then, you know, just, uh, you know, the defense has to just really find out a way to start swarming and, and turn getting those turnovers. Because if we can't get at least one turnover in this game, I'll tell you right now, there's a real chance that we lose. So a turnover is a must and multiple turnovers. If we have more than one, I I think that pretty much seals the deal. But um, I mean, that's those would kind of be the closing thoughts that I would have in regards to to BYU. You know, I know those fans when they when they get into the stands, they're really going to soak it in, you know, just soak in the sights and the soak in the moment. Have the hope of um, an earthquake there uh, as well. That's always a fear when you go out west. Uh, yeah, but we would be remiss to not talk about the, the betting lines uh, as they are playing in Las Vegas, uh, and Vegas was built on uh, gamblers losing. So Notre Dame three and a half point favorite down from six and a half. Uh, I got it. I called it at two. Uh, to be honest with you, from Rhode Island, uh, total opened up at forty eight and a half. It's up to fifty two right now. Uh, these are uh, aggregate lines, so not one sports book in particular. Uh, so over under 52, total uh, three and a half Notre Dame's favored. So really neutral site game. It turns out to be a pick em. Computer models are making it a pick em in that regard. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going with um, Notre Dame to win 35-31. So take the over and take Notre Dame. I like 35. I like that a lot. Uh, I, I want to double it up. Uh, so I'm going to double down 35-28. Uh, five touchdowns, five extra points. John Sott puts a punt out of the stadium, and there's going to be a delay of game while they figure out how he kicked it out of the Legion Stadium. Uh, so <laughs> there's my prediction. Notre Dame 35, BYU 28. But it's going to be like some bullshit laid score that makes it 28. Uh, it's not going to be like, a, oh, my God, we're going to lose the game. 
type of score. It's, it, it's going to be well in hand. by. So you're calling the garbage time now. Okay. I, I like that. I like give it, I, I don't mind giving up garbage time points or touchdowns. I mean, I prefer not to, but it just means that we built a comfortable lead and we're kind of just sitting back. That is uh, my thought. And then we're on to Stanford, UNLV, and then Syracuse, end of the month. Ooh. The quest for 10 and 2 continues. Uh, tune in this weekend, Notre Dame, BYU. We just talked about it for the last hour. Uh, if you're going to be rude, find another account to follow. If you're going to shower us with praise, do that as well at Horseman Pod on Twitter. Follow the Instagram, same name. Uh, you know where to find us out wherever you listen to podcasts, wear ESQ, uh, invest in SGG, and uh, go Irish. Be Cooters. Go Irish. <laughs>